Well, thanks for being here uh, this afternoon in this uh, wet tent. I'm really glad to be um, speaking with you for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, because uh, my wife is expecting to give birth today. Um, so we've been praying that we could first do the seminar and then have the baby afterwards. At least I have been praying that. Uh, so, <laughs> so, and Phil's also been praying that as well, so he doesn't have to deliver this uh, on his own. So I'm, I'm glad to be here um, from that perspective. Also, thank you for being here um, ahead of the Bouncy Castles and Meet the Animals. I saw that in the program and thought, oh no, no one's going to come. So thank you for choosing wisely uh, on that basis. And also because I believe passionately um, that God really cares about the place of your dwelling you'll spend a third of your life in the workplace, which means how you approach Monday morning is very, very, very important. So I'm really glad to be here for a number of reasons. I'm also really glad to be sharing this space with Phil um, for a number of reasons. Firstly, because he's cover for the whole talk. Should Chloe go into labor? If I get a phone call, please excuse me if I have to dash out. Uh, secondly, because Phil's a GP, which means on Monday morning, unlike myself, he is actually living this out. He is actually arriving in a space of work saying, Lord, your kingdom come today on earth as in heaven. Help me to do my job in a way that honors you. So this has a shred of integrity uh, to it because Phil is actually uh, living this out every week. Um, so I'm really grateful that he's here. What we'd like to do with um, you this afternoon is we'd like to first tell you a story. Uh, it's a familiar story, um, but we want to tell it in such a way that connects with and lands with you in your workplace. And then we'd like to invite you into a challenge of collaboration. We're in a very exciting season as a group of churches in commission where we're asking all kinds of questions. Among those questions are, how do we equip each other to live for the kingdom of God in our workplaces? And some of the questions that we're asking is, how do we network you how do we connect you with other people in this family of churches who are asking similar questions? How might we strengthen each other in different areas of society? And uh, I'd like to introduce you to somebody at the end of this talk uh, called Chris, who's going to be part of a launch team with me and a number of other people who are looking at how we create kind of sector-based discipleship or sector-based kingdom pursuits together. And uh, so I'm excited not only for this, this moment, but for what might be birthed out of this moment. So we're going to tell you a story, and then we're going to invite you to a challenge. But before we do that, why don't we pray together uh, that God would come and lead us by his spirit and that we would see his kingdom come in all of our spaces that we occupy on Monday mornings. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you so much for every person in this tent right now. Thank you for your love for them. Thank you for your sacrifice, which has enabled them to find friendship with you. Thank you for the sense of destiny that you have for each of these people. Thank you for the calling that you have. Thank you for the way you've orchestrated history that they might dwell where they dwell on Monday mornings. And Spirit of God, I just invite you to lead us in these moments that you might lead us in that moment that Monday mornings might be a place full of your presence full of anticipation and full of possibilities for your kingdom and so spirit come and breathe come and bring life come and help us all to take hold of all that you have for us and we pray for that in Jesus name amen amen so firstly let's tell you a story There was nothing, nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see, only emptiness and darkness. Before time was time and matter mattered, there was nothing 
but him. In him was ecstatic delight and limitless creativity. And then a beautiful fountain began to overflow. Out of nothing, the Father spoke. The Spirit and the Son worked, delighting and creating together. Artists designing, singing out and bringing to being a world of wonder and glory. Light exploded out onto the canvas of blackness. Planets spun into space. Stars stretched out across the heavens. And galaxy upon galaxy swirled out into the universe. And he knew them all by name and called them out. Then, with the breadth of his hand, he marked out the distances of space. Galaxies hundred thousand light years across. Our sun so large you could fit a million earths inside it. Black holes so large you could fit a million of our suns inside them. And it could take light a thousand years to travel across their face. This awesome team then tenderly crafted and prepared a world. With the moon just far enough away to have our tides. With the sun just far enough away so that light and heat would come to us. And then the earth just tilted enough that we could have seasons and climates. Majestic mountains towered up in the earth. The tallest so high that the ice at the top never melts. And yet at the bottom of it, elephants and tigers play. Oceans so deep that the highest mountains would be submerged in their vastness. And as yet, un not yet discovered creatures only seen by the eyes of God would live. Vibrant and joy-filled, their color and creativity abounded and their beauty was displayed. Their joy bubbled over and their world teemed with life. They filled the sea and the waters with dolphins and duck-billed platypus, with colossal squid and crocodiles, with mackerel and manta rays. They filled the land with palm trees and precipices, beech trees and beaches, woods and waterfalls, colors and sounds, greens and browns, reds and yellows to be found, in lions and in lizards, in stick insects, with star-nosed moles, with bombardier beetles, and with butterflies. And it was very good. And then the artist, the musician, the creator, looked at one another and said, let us make like us. Let us make those who can reflect our creativity. Let us make those who can participate in the ruling of this world. Let us make those to flourish and prosper and multiply. Let us make those who will take what we have made, which is very good, and bring out its beauty and bring out its fruitfulness. Let us make and release. Let us make and empower. Let us make those to create. My dear Wormwood, one must face the fact that all this talk about his love for men and his service being perfect freedom is not, as one would gladly believe, mere propaganda, but an appalling truth. He really does want to fill the universe full of with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself, creatures whose life on a miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own. Yes, let us make in our image 
May they go and create. Let's give them eyes to see. Let's give them ears to hear. Let's give them brains to think. Let's give them hearts to love. Let's give them hands to make. Let's give them feet to travel. Let's give them each other to create. Let's give them ideas to share. Let's give them teams to collaborate. Let's make them male and female. And let's send them all over this world to be our ambassadors, to image us in all that they do. And then he rested. And he said to them, you rest with me. You rest with me. And in that, this new creation, humanity, found its identity, found its calling, found its sense of belonging, found its deepest peace. And then came the first Monday morning. The first Monday morning. Bearing the image by working fruitfully in the good world is what we were always meant to do, says Andy Crouch. Our work should be thought of as a creative activity undertaken for the love of the work itself and that man, made in his image, should make things as God makes things for the sake of doing a thing well that is well worth doing, says Dorothy Sayers, as they're sent out into this world on the first Monday morning. People on the ground saw a brilliant flash of light followed by a loud boom booming sound. Intense heat radiated from the blast centre that reached several thousand degrees Celsius. Fires spread for miles around where the bombs were dropped and black rain, sticky, dark and radioactive precipitation fell from the sky and poisoned many thousands of people. Some 70 to 80,000 people, a third of the population of the city, were killed and another third were injured. Five square miles of the city were destroyed and three quarters of the buildings in the city were destroyed. But as time went on, people realised that something more serious had happened. All around the city and for miles around, everything was tainted. Hundreds of thousands of people died due to radiation sickness, or cancers later on, or birth defects, or affected by the trauma of the bomb. There was another terrible explosion that destroyed everything that was good, that was even more catastrophic than the bomb that fell on Hiroshima. The fallout from this bomb tainted all of God's good world, setting us on a course of destruction and decay, without him, without his ways, going our own way. So on Monday morning, we go out into the world lost and self-seeking. We want power from work over other people. We sell people what they don't need. We prey on their insecurities, like advertising and targeting beauty products to young people who are already too worried about what they look like. We make profits at the expense of vulnerable people. We're happy with terrible working conditions as long as it means we can get a bargain. We're so obsessed with money that we'll even fix the bank rates so that we can make more of it. We give the best education to those who can afford to pay for it and we ignore those who can't. We're so focused on targets that we miss the people that we're trying to get engaged with enjoying what they're learning. 
we celebrate and we reinforce a prideful hierarchy in healthcare where we say hello to the doctors and smile at them and ignore the porters. We dehumanize people who are in need when they come with their problems to us and they're just an inconvenience. We ignore the elderly and the vulnerable, over half of which will report their main company comes from TV and pets. We will give aid, but only in return for sexual favors. In self-seeking superiority, we're happy to take selfies whilst we make a difference. We exchange the beauty of his creativity and art, preferring expression of and glory in rebellion, particularly sexualization of young people who've got no idea now how to relate to each other, and we see soaring suicide rates, self-harm and sadness in young women. We are disunited and divided. Our leadership is corrupted and self-serving. We claim expenses that were never incurred. We lie, we deceive, and we defraud those whom we should be representing. We care so much about selling the news, we're not interested in whether it's true or not. We love stories, not people's dignity. Pursuing a princess into a tunnel in Paris. Hacking the phone of a murdered schoolgirl. Preferring the unreal world of social media, which gives wings to our self-love. We're distracted, disengaged, and disappointed at home with our families. We divorce each other. We fight each other. We're sick and dying, painfully living, and painfully parted from each other. You see, on Monday morning, selfish people go into the world for themselves. Even the good that we do is done in rivalry against the designer to whom we say, we don't need you and we don't want you. Of all of fallen humanity, there is no one who has truly worked not even one. And friends, I stand before you today uh, and I know that I have not worked as I should. People have sat in front of me weeping, broken, and I've been more concerned about getting them out of the room because I've got another two people waiting. I've overworked because I want to prove myself. I've underworked when I feel lazy. I've not cared about my colleagues. I've not cared about other people. And I'm sure we can all relate to that. There is something that has gone wrong when we go out on Monday morning. On Monday morning, we experience our lostness, and we all experience that, except for one. There was a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. For three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put, foot, put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the, place of his, from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves while praying, whilst he was dying, while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. 19 long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected life 
upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. On Monday morning, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing. On Monday morning, he said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. On Monday morning, as he worked as a carpenter, he said, I will live my life for the Father. On Monday morning, as an itinerant preacher, he said, my life is not my own, but only for him. And as he faced trials and as he faced decisions in life and suffering, he said, not my will, but your will be done. You see, there's only ever been one human being who has lived Monday morning, who knows what to do in this life. There has only been one human being who has ever really been sent out again, who has only ever really entered Monday morning as God would have us. And this man, incredibly, the Bible says, in his fullness God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself to all things, including Monday morning. And there was a time in history when all of your Monday mornings and all of our Monday mornings were taken to his life and they were nailed against him. Every decision that we've made to prey on one another's insecurities, every interest rate that's ever been fixed, every moment of hierarchy that has abused, every bit of exploitation that we have participated in, every self-serving and defrauding moment, every time we've sold a story which has been more concerned to sell newspapers than the truth, every time we've done a business deal which has gone for profits over people, every time we've divorced each other or abused each other, everything that we have done on Monday mornings was taken and nailed to him. And he says, let me take your Monday morning and let me give you mine. And Jesus Christ today says, let me give you a new Monday morning. Let me give you a new way. Let me give you a fresh start. Let me invite you home to experience that first Monday morning. Go. Flourish create build team i love the uh, church calendar and we're going to be using it a little bit more in our local church to bring a sense of uh, christian breadth into our uh, experience in grace church i love the holy week going into easter i love good friday that you celebrate and draw close to the cross i love there's resurrection coming on easter sunday but do you know what happens on monday morning on Monday morning, we step into the life that he's made for us. We step into the arenas and the callings that you and I are designed to be in. And we step into it in the newness of life that he has paid for you and I. That we love others and we love him on Monday morning. On Monday morning. So there is an invitation to walk with him and to work with him. And he calls many to walk his way, to embrace his way of life. And they are invited to gather on Sundays with others who walk with him to remember. And firstly, to remember who he is. The creator of the stars and the spider monkey. The sustainer of both the planets and the Pacific. The redeemer of the rebels. The lover of the lonely. The worker who rests 
the crucified Christ and the resurrected Lord. We remember who he is. But also we gather to remember who we are. Beloved, brought back, children of his delight, filled with the very breath of God and empowered to bless. So resting on Sunday, his people who walk with him are sent out on Monday, not just resting from work, but working from rest. And he says to them, go for it. In all you say and do, he sends them out to bring his kingdom into all the world that he loves. And they have done many different things. In all their fears and their weaknesses and mess, they point to another way. Little signposts of a kingdom that is not of this world. And a picture of one day when Christ appears with us in his restored world. All the chaos and the carnage that was released in Eden. In another garden, Eden bloomed again as Jesus rose again. And all the sad things started to come untrue. So his followers are filled with a new power. They're filled with a new power. He himself is living in them by his spirit. So when I'm wronged by a difficult boss or a colleague, I can forgive them and I can pray for them. This power sustains you, not just sentimental idealism. It gives us grace to tirelessly pursue justice for those oppressed, as did those who abolished slavery, Wilberforce, as do those in the International Justice Mission working on behalf of those who are oppressed through slavery and trafficking. They have a new power. They also have a new story. They know where they've been. They know the story of the one who came, who died and was raised again. And he's going to be coming back again. This new story means they can pursue truth. They can put the lights on in dark places through journalism and understanding. Through literature, they can write compelling things that wake people up to the true meaning of life. Of literature. People like Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. Even things like Thought for the Day. They express the beauty of their God with their creativity in wonderful art and music. J.S. Bach, who signed all of his music for the glory of God. They have a new story. They also have a new purpose. A purpose that's further to career. A purpose that's further to money. A purpose that is further to fulfillment through what I do on Monday mornings. I'm here to love God now. I'm here to obey him. I'm here to be devoted to him. I'm here to love my neighbor. I'm here to serve them. I love the vision of the ethical estate agents in Exeter who have a vision for principles over profits. I love the people who started Sunday schools for those who couldn't read. Even in all the class structures and churches saying you shouldn't do that because if the poor know how to read, it will mess things up. And hundreds of thousands of people were then brought to a place where they could read for themselves. And all over the world today, Christians are at the forefront of bringing education to those who are without access as they share the good news of Jesus. They have a new purpose. They also have a new king. Every day they wake up and they pray, your kingdom come, and they step out into this world as his ambassadors of reconciliation, into this clash of allegiance as different kingdoms vie for their hearts. They might make ethical stands in their workplace saying, I don't think that's okay. I'm serving a different king, as Tim so wonderfully spoke this morning. Um, you think of uh, St. Basil setting up the first hospital, dignifying the needy in the backdrop to the Greco-Roman world. You think of the hospice movement, humanizing people made in God's image. You think of people fighting for the unborn and for the elderly. Their families have open homes open hearts, time for each other in their community because they've got a new king 
they're happy to put courses on to help others to walk alongside them, to bring hope and life. And all these things, through words and deeds, prayer, sacrifice, wisdom and community, we find the life of God bursting forth again in his world as he places people specifically to make a difference in the world that he so loves. And our hope is that all this is a little pointer, as we said, to the day when all things will work as they should do. As he calls to us, see, I am making all things new. He restores all things and he reconciles all things to himself. And then we'll go out on Monday mornings in the new creation as we are finally all that he has made us to be with all of our gifts, joyfully loving him, serving him and blessing each other. Martin Luther says, The works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household tasks. All works are measured before God by faith alone. And then Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. I arrived uh, in Exeter to study economics and politics. I came from Bristol and uh, I was not a Christian. The main things on my radar, if I'm frank with you, was getting into the rugby team, doing as much university work as I could to pass my exams and to find a girlfriend. That was my trinity of worship as I arrived in Exeter. Going into my second year, my housemate, Uh, started to talk about Jesus uh, to me and with me. He actually became a Christian himself in between his first year and his second year. And so we had lots of late night conversations. I had lots of questions for him, lots of uh, uh, mockery and banter between us. But after six months of late night conversations, I was persuaded of uh, Jesus and his identity and his calling on each one of us to to walk with him and I have to confess when I first came to faith I was so excited about reading the Bible I was like okay if my life is not my own I need to relearn life I better work out how to do this where do I go and then someone gave me a Bible and said you can read this I thought this is amazing and so I read it quick I was just drinking it in thinking the you should everyone should read the Bible this is absolutely amazing and prayer You get to talk to God. And did you know that he actually responds to you? There's like another being out there and he actually wants to strengthen you. So I was like Bible reading and prayer and church and worship. And by the way, I was doing economics and politics. But Bible reading and prayer and church. And there's a lecture. I missed another one. And Bible reading and church and prayer. In fact, I had a couple of Christian friends who were really into their course. And I was thinking, why into your course? Like, you know, fiscal policy, yawn you know, government tax aid. I would revise from a textbook for tax policy from 1984 and went into an exam because I couldn't be bothered to get the book out in time. Like, no, but the Bible says that God's making all things new. So who cares about the lectures and economics and politics? Yawn. In fact, there was one point to my shame where we were at a coffee shop in Boston and I had a car and they didn't. I said, look, let's just hang out here for a little bit and I'll drive you to a lecture. And then we, we left it too late for him to get to his lecture. Then we said, only joking, we're not really going to give you a lift. Get, get over this, mate. Don't worry about your lectures. Look, the Bible and prayer. And this is what godliness Uh, looks like and then you realize as you read the scriptures as David Bosch points out for example that Luke's missionary paradigm can be summed up as some theologians have done as economic justice what it means that God 
wants to redistribute the belongings of this world in line with his kingdom, and he wants us to join in with that. Now, if you're going to do that at an individual level, you need to know a little bit about home economics. If you're going to do that at a communal level, you need to know something about living in community. If you're going to do that at a national level, you need to know something about economics, which is why John Stott says we should not be tempted to step away from economics because of the complexity. Rather, we should pray that God will call more of his people to develop new international economic policies and work for political solutions and give their lives into the field of majority world development and practical philanthropy and evangelism because God cares about Monday morning and because God cares about his world and because economics and politics are the arena in which God's work is to be lived out, which is why John Stott wrote that Christian salt has no business to remain snugly in our elegant salt cellars. Rather, it should be rubbed into the secular community as salt is rubbed into the meat to stop it going bad. In this world that we live in, on Monday morning, we should be praying as pastors and inspiring one another as Christians to be salt rubbed into economics and politics. That they would be arenas and signposts where we could love God and love our neighbor. Yes, penultimate. Yes, secondary. But nevertheless, the place where this really happens, where heaven touches earth on Monday morning. On Monday morning. One of my favorite films is uh, Amazing Grace. I, I trust that many of you have seen it. Just quick wave if you've watched Amazing Grace, Wilberforce. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? And obviously a very famous uh, Christian um, thing. If, you, if you've not seen it, um, let me t paint a little scene for you. Uh, Wilberforce is around the table in somewhat of a, a difficult position in his life. He's not sure what to do, whether to pursue political activism in the abolition of slavery or whether to do God's work and he is on a bit of a journey with this and if you have seen the film you remember it well his friends come before him and they say this Mr. Wilberforce we understand that you're having problems choosing whether to do the work of God or the work of a political activist may we humbly suggest that you can do both may we humbly suggest that you can do both and I think at conferences like this and in churches like ours which I love by the way with a huge emphasis on church planting and Sundays and worship and Bible, which, by the way, I love. I, we should all read the Bible. Every, I'm not, I'm not minimising any. Of the, I, I love the Bible. I, I love prayer um, f for Monday morning. And uh, and that sometimes in places like this, we feel like we have to choose, don't we, between how do I step into the life that God's given to me? How do I take hold of the kingdom in a fresh way, in an exciting way, in a way that's being spoken of? But I. I know that in a couple of weeks from now, on Monday morning, I'm going to be back in the same place thinking, how do I step into the work of God in my life? And surely this is a distraction. We want to humbly suggest that Monday morning isn't a distraction. That in the new creation, there's going to be a, a new Monday morning. That in the history of the church, Monday morning has been the arena in which we've spoken to the world of our new hope. And that as pastors and as people, that Monday morning should be the beginning not the distraction of our life with the kingdom. And we want to humbly suggest to you, and we want to humbly ask you to consider how we might make the best of Monday mornings as an opportunity to walk with him in every way. And I have these questions, and this is us sort of moving into a challenge before we uh, conclude our time uh, together. 
I have these questions which have just been gnawing at me. Can I, can I just, there's, there's a couple of grace children here, but let, let me just be really honest with you. Um, lots of my peers uh, went into education in the Blair years. What was, do you know, what was Blair's headline? Education, education, education. Like amazing funding, like education on the rise. And this is, a, this is an expanding sector of society and we can do anything. And I think in many ways, education has sort of positioned itself to be like, you know, the safety net in society in, in many ways. And guess what's happened since Blair to the funding in education? It's gone down. And so now teachers are under so much pressure. It's so difficult. I really feel for them as many in our church. But do you know the story of education in our country, as Phil alluded to earlier? Do you know how, how edu free education started in this country? It's because Christians wanted to help people who were illiterate to read. You see, they, funding didn't matter in that day. They weren't like, oh, let's wait for the next government so the resources can be released so we can make this happen. They were like, oh, we feel like maybe God's heart is that we help people who don't have at the moment. And you see, I just wonder at a camp like this with thousands of people on site, what would happen if people in education got together and asked the question, what does God want to do with us today? And what would it like for us to catch the heart of God and step into his purposes on Monday morning? On Monday morning. What does kingdom come look like in education, how can we strengthen one another to do that? And we could go on and on in every sector, as Phil alluded to, in healthcare, in business, in politics, on Monday morning, in our arenas. What is God doing in each of these sectors? What is he asking of us? And what could we do together? What could we do together? So that in our generation, in our lifetime, in each of these sectors, there's a little picture, a little portrait being painted of the new creation which points to the fullness of God's heart and the fullness of his plan that one day Monday morning will be restored and that we could live in that in, partial, in a partial way uh, in this day, on Monday morning. Um, what I'd like to do now is I'm going to ask you to um, have a moment of prayer and then I'm going to introduce uh, a friend to you who has sort of stepped into a bit of a launch team for us uh, in terms of asking this question of what can we do as commission to help one another for Monday morning. So that's our moment of prayer first, then I'm going to introduce you to Chris and then ask you to respond. So let's just uh, be before the Lord for just a moment here. I'd just like you to, as it were, step into your Monday morning just in your mind's eye as we be before the Lord in prayer. Just think about, just picture them now, your colleagues, whichever sector you're in, those you work with, those you work for, those who your service, your efforts benefit, your neighbours, as it were. Just open your heart to the Lord. I wonder if you might just in your own time, in your own way, just utter those words, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven on Monday morning. And so Spirit of God, I just invite you here right now. Come and breathe. Come and breathe life. Come and breathe faith.
Come and bring vision. Come and bring hope. Come and bring healing. We're not going to rush this moment, but it may be that as you've, you may think, man, I've never even thought that Monday morning was my arena for worship. You might just want to say sorry to the Lord for that. He, he's blessed you with that. He's called you there. You may say, Lord, I'm so, I've just not recognized. I was so concerned about Sunday, and it's just never connected with Monday. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Just in, the, just finally in this prayer moment, why don't you just ask him for what you need? As sort of follow the Lord's prayer, as it were, just this daily bread. What, why don't you ask him for help? Ask him for vision. Whatever it is that you feel you're lacking on Monday mornings, why don't you just be before your Father in heaven, who's placed you there for a purpose? Ask him for what you need. Father, thank you that you've determined the times and seasons of everyone in this room. I pray for faith and conviction for Monday morning that your will would be done and that we'd have great joy and you get great glory through our Monday mornings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I introduce uh, Chris, can I just have a round of applause for Phil? He's been amazing. And he's such an inspiring man. I know even on his interview as a GP, there was like a faith moment for him, you know, before he even got his job. He was having to really stand for things. So just uh, thank you so much for being the man you are and also for sharing today. I really appreciate you. And thanks for covering me. My phone hasn't gone yet, has it, by the way? There's, no? There's nothing from Chloe? Okay. Still, okay. The, <laughs> five missed calls from Chloe. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Chris, why don't you come down? Can I have a round of applause to my friend Chris? Just want to introduce you to him. Um, Chris, just um, why don't you just give us a sense of uh, what you do on your Monday mornings or more broadly than that in your kind of workplace? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I'm, my name's Chris. I'm, um, well, I'm an elder, actually, at Ascot Life Church, um, part-time. When I'm not doing that or thinking about that or praying about that, I work as a management consultant. I work as an independent. So I'm self-employed, a freelance, and so I get to work with literally o over 100 different organizations over the last 10 years. And, and so I get to see lots of different Monday mornings in different contexts, whether it's in a health context or uh, a pharmaceutical company or a bank or a government department or um, the Olympic Games, whatever. I, I get the chance to work across all of those different sectors, which is such a blessing. Um, I wish I had more time with people there so I could share more of my faith because it's kind of in and out in, in a week or two. Um, but I, I guess um, as, as part of that uh, and the work I do, um, I often get asked by people in these different organizations to say, well, Chris, we, we keep reinventing the wheel here. We keep making the same mistakes. We're not very good at uh, communicating with each other. And, and part of what I do um, sort of professionally is to help them build networks. And I don't mean computer networks, although we sometimes use technology, but it's much more about building up people networks, helping people find other people who are doing the same stuff um, so having the same kind of issues, someone they can reach out to. So if it's a drilling engineer in one oil platform somewhere in the North Sea, um, there's somebody probably in the Gulf of Mexico with a very similar technical problem. If only they knew what they were doing and knew each other and had some kind of relationship or trust, 
then they'd be able to work together. So I spent my time building kind of people networks and helping government departments and other organizations to build up networks of people. And it kind of reminds me of, of the words that Jesus spoke to Peter and John about making them fishers of men. Um, so the kind of networks that I help people build are around people. And Jesus had this passion for, um, for uh, helping people to become fishers of men. And that led me to probably one of my favorite um, chapters in the, in the Old Testament, which also relates to kind of networks and nets and fishermen. And I, I'm going to read it to you. It comes from um, Ezekiel 47, um, which is, if you, if you know that part of the Bible, it's where um, there's this wonderful prophetic picture of the river from the temple. Um, those of you who've been in New Frontiers a long time, there's probably an old song that you can sing along quietly to yourself while I'm, while I'm talking this one through. I'm not going to sing it now, no way, no. I think it's had its time, that song. I think it's uh, destined to die in the 90s, I think, that song. Yeah, just as well. Um, but um, the, in, this, in this chapter, um, the, the, uh, this idea of the river flowing from the temple, it gets deeper and deeper, and first it's ankle deep, and then it's knee deep, then it's waist deep. And, um, and, and uh, son of man... Uh, you know, what do you see is the question uh, to Ezekiel. And then it goes on, and this is the bit I want to read to you because I, I think it, it connects with what Stu and Phil have been sharing. It says, when this river, when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live where the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Jesus said, I came to bring life and life to the full. Didn't he? And then it says, fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Egliam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. This idea of spreading our nets. And I look at commission, and the way we kind of run commission and the way the church works across the world is very geographic, isn't it? We have Grace Church, Exeter, Ascot Life Church, where I am. We have you know, Bournemouth, Portsmouth. We are, we're very geographically centered, and that's kind of the way we tend to view things because uh, we're relational. We're all about a local community. But I, I believe there's something possible um, within commission and within the church at a l on a larger level, which is about making connections that cut across churches. If only, as, as Stu said, we could find a way for people working in education or health and care or the self-employed or finance to find a way to connect with each other. I think we could create uh, a commission which isn't just about the verticals and the geographic. We're this church and this city or this town, but also we are the teachers who operate within commission, and we want to explore what our mission, our co-mission is together. How can we be uh, Jesus in our environment? Or people say, yeah, I'm going through Ofsted. Um, I'm being asked to you know, maybe do something slightly dubious with uh, pupil data. How do I respond to that? Somewhere I can reach out to. I may not find that person in my church, but I know within commission, there's probably 10 other teachers who are facing or have just faced exactly that dilemma. And if I could reach out to them, um, how much more effective could I be in my mission? And I think there's something within commission that Stu has is, is sort of put his finger on and Phil as well, that if we could find ways to maybe connect across as well as down vertically, we could be more effective as a network, we could be more effective as a net to help cap catch the fish that we've been called to become fishers of men and women for. Um, so that's just a, plus a bit of background. Um, I don't come as a consultant with lots of solutions. I just come as somebody who's got, a, got one foot in the secular world trying to help this happen. And, uh, and I'm delighted to kind of be one of the first feet into the world that Stu is leading on in terms of how do we do this better within commission? What might it look like in a year's time 
you know, if we did have a series of meetings with different sectors or professions beginning to build up those networks. <laughs> That's right, if only we knew what we did, uh, yeah? And there will be all those t-shirts, or we, you could tell from looking at you that you're an osteopath, because you'll know you walk, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. So, you're, and you're beginning to put your finger on, on kind of some, how do we do that under the auspices of GDPR and all those other things that make things maybe a bit more, um, a bit more tricky, but not impossible. Um, so, and that's kind of the beginning of the conversation. Is that what you want me to say? We didn't rehearse this, did we? Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to underline that and then I'm going to ask you another question for one minute. But I, I feel like... Um, it's a beautiful thing to get this kingdom narrative, this story of Jesus being the hero and his kingdom come and mapping it into your own context of what's the hero in your context and what is kingdom come in your space? So I know in the rugby environment, I know who the heroes were. I knew what winning was. I knew what losing was. I know in education because I've got friends close to me. I know in healthcare who the heroes are, what a win is, what a loss is. And then you'll find the similar kind of redemptive edge I love that phrase or kingdom edge of challenges where God is asking you to take a step from the edge into this new place of kingdom come and I think if you had people together who found the same kingdom edge that we're more likely to take those steps together so if it's difficult to do it in one local church so we've talked about this in Grace Church Exeter I think maybe across 50 churches we've got an opportunity of doing something that could be quite special and obviously we're not the only people in the UK who love Jesus and love our workplaces. There are other networks whom we're looking to partner with. The London Institute of Contemporary Christianity would be amazing, and there are others as well for us to draw from. But w could it be possible that when you come to a weekend like this, there's some stuff which is like generally Christian, some stuff with the big picture, and there's other stuff where you get to step into the, the kingdom edge that you are navigating in the next six, 12 months of your life where you can help each other spell one another on. So yes, hopefully it's a tap-in at, at one level. It's like there must be loads of people in education on-site what might God do if we could put them together, pray, give them a vision, give them the best Christian literature and ask them what is God prophetically asking for in this day in education? I think it might, might be a catalyst for something good. Um, Chris, let me just, I'd like to ask you this. And I, when I, well, I had a coffee with Chris and I, I learned some of his background and was uh, interested in how he would perceive some of the questions I was asking. And you, you've done it a little bit, but in terms of your skills, but to give me a bit more heart, like why are you, why are you enthusiastic about why do the lights go on for you? Like, why do you, why are you going to give some time to this and prayer for this? And like, what are you excited about in terms of this question together? Okay, just put him on the spot. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I just have this sense that there is so much more that we could do. Um, and because I want to catch fish, right? And then if we could create the right kind of net to do that, then I, uh, yeah, just like the disciples were mending their nets, you know, stitching together literally the bits that will make them more effective. And I see that this is the same kind of thing. This is an opportunity for us to stitch new bits of the network into commission uh, and, uh, and be more effective. So I just, uh, there's a frustration to me, if you like, that says the church is beautiful and wonderful, but oh, it could be so much better if only we spoke to each other or asked each other for help, reached across the boundaries that maybe artificially define us that Jesus never meant us to, to think in terms of. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just a, 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 can you have righteous frustration? Is that all right? Um, just a desire to see us doing more, really. Yeah. Okay. Guys, can I have a round of applause for Chris, both in terms of his contribution today? Thank you. Yeah, you can sit down. That's excellent. Thank you. Um, what I'd like us to do now, if you're, and I, we'd, 
you know, we ha- I hadn't, you don't know what you were coming to in some ways. Like, I, we were given the title actually Monday morning in the Kingdom of God. So we've just run with it and we've tried to think about how that links with what commissions doing more broadly. But what I'd like to do now is just ask you to respond um, in quite a specific way. So if we can have those cards, Reina, um, what I'd like to do is we'll give them out in just a moment. But I, what I'd like you to do is if you're up for um, responding to this question or collaborating with us on how do we get people together in sectors who are asking similar questions for mutual strengthening that you'd fill in your details but you'd also put on the on the form at the bottom the sector that you're in and this is embryonic still so education healthcare art business fine whatever it is we'll we'll map people according to um people who we think could be mutually strengthening in, in due course but put your sector down put your experience and put something of what your hope is as you've heard this conversation so a little t- I'm sort of cheating so the bottom bit of the form just your sector and what your hope is as you've heard some of this conversation. So we'll give those out now al- along with pens, and uh, and if you can fill out any of those um, to respond to this, that would be absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Phil, do you mind giving out the other side as well, just whilst you do that? And there are some pens as well uh, at the back. I'll ask you to, we'll just give those out now, and then we'll have one moment of prayer, and then we'll conclude our time. But let's we'll pray across commission for this uh, exciting venture that we're part of together. So if you can grab a... If you want to just give general feedback, like, really appreciate that you're wearing a pink shirt on site, you know, I'm happy to receive that as well. Whatever's helpful uh, for you to express, if you could do that, that would be um, amazing. Pen's coming around as well. Thank you so much, guys. Excellent. Thanks for being with us. Bless you. Okay, well I think we'll, we'll, we'll land it like this. I'm just, I'll pray and then you can have as much time as you want to fill in the forms and we'll just be at the back of the room there on your way out, which you can chat to us or give. But why don't we just, um, this is, this is uh, you can tell I'm not in education, can't you? Just giving an exercise and then asking for something else after that. So I, I've, <laughs> any primary school teachers now going, that was a very bad idea. I apologize for that. Um, why don't we just have a moment of prayer for our family of churches? So 50 churches in the UK um, briefed with this sure strategy, which is now being sort of delegated down to ministry leaders or whatever language you want to use, who are trying to create something new. This is one of the opportunities that we have together. Why don't we just have a moment? I'll pray and maybe a big hearty amen in your own hearts for the next you know, year or so in terms of how we might make this network together that we can really see kingdom come together on Monday mornings. So why don't we pray and then you can go if you want to, and, but you can chat if you want to as well. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being part of your body. We are like an ear uh, in our local bodies. We can't function without being part of the community. And as a church, we know that we can't function well without being part of the wider church, the, the bigger body. And so we hold our own church and this group of churches before you. And we hold before you Monday morning at nine o'clock. And we say, Lord, help us collaborate and work well and strengthen one each other. And I pray a year from now, those of us in this room who are interested would say, wow, look what he's done as we feel a sense of momentum and calling uh, to take steps of faith and see Monday morning be a place of rich blessing. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I will stop talking now. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you.